Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Biomast. I want to thank you for joining us either via the recording or our stream on the website or Twitch. Um, we've got a, a couple guests in here today and we've got a long list of news and topics we're going to cover. So let's get started with introductions, starting at the top of with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I am undergoing a divorce with my, my one true love of Overwatch and so I don't know what I'm playing right now. The existential crisis of the gamer. We're, we're, we're with you, buddy. Don't worry. We'll get you through this. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Bait. Oh, hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bait. Uh, I'm... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, Fantastic. I'm Our Jaddick saved costume. this train wreck. Go. <laughs> Jaddick, introduction, man. I don't know how much I can say, but... Uh, hello, I'm Jaddick Menaheim, a.k.a. Neckbeard Nixon, and I'm feeling a little toasty with a combination of... Wild Irish Rose with Seagrams and Dave's Insanity Hot Sauce. Mm -mm. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Good old red wine right, infusion. I still have to try that. All right, Livy, you're up. She's muted. She's muted or something. Well, we'll get back to her. Um, I'm Pokey Draven. I help co-host the show here on Biomast. I also write for the blog. And I do my best to produce the Twitter stream, which should hopefully be up and running and working a little bit better as it, than it has in the last few weeks. So um, without much further ado, stream, let's go. That would be a Twitch stream, not a Twitter not stream. A Twitter stream? God, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I do this think is, Twitter wants to do some video stuff, but... I, it's it's definitely not not what we were doing. Where our our Twitter feed really only just announces new posts. Yeah, and, and the fact that I got that to set up to automatically when we when we actually write something was was impressive because I this the whole social media stuff like there's so many outlets now it's it's difficult to keep up with everything. So you know it's <laughs> we're doing our best here. But uh, yeah, Twitch if you want to watch us on Twitch streaming um in the recording should be up immediately after the show or uh, if you want to wait for the cleaned audio version the Zell gets that posted a couple days after on on the website. But regardless, let's go into our topic. So, a uh, bit of gaming news, uh, just all over the place. So, E-Vegas is pretty much wrapping up right now. It happened this weekend on you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, there's a lot that was discussed, um, pretty much all of it about EVE Online, because that's basically what they do there. However, I can confirm that someone did speak with CCP uh, Logibro at E-Vegas, and he did confirm that the Shanghai studio is working on Project Nova. Um, you know, no details, obviously, but he did want to confirm that, that they are indeed working on the project. Uh, same deal with, you know, Logic Loop's been talking about working on maps for it, as well as, you know, other CCP employees and the CPM. So take that as you will, but that is the only news uh, coming out of E-Vegas, unfortunately, for Project Nova. Um, and again, we'll, we'll discuss a lot of the EVE stuff, because there's lots of really cool stuff going on EVE side, but that's probably an entire show in of itself. So we'll get to that next week or, or a couple weeks from now, once kind of that's been compiled and whatnot. So uh, moving along, Turtle Rock Studios. We, we, we covered them uh, a few weeks ago, and Turtle Rock Studios is the game that made, is the company that made the game Evolve, which was the kind of four-person co-op versus the one-person uh, monster uh, game. And it was you know, it was interesting, but the game, for the most part, did not do very well. And ultimately, they were pretty much forced to release it as a re-release as a free-to-play game. I think they called it like Second uh, Deploy or something like that, where they put it out on PC. It was free-to-play. It followed a more free-to-play model where you could buy skins and, and monsters and characters, you know, in more of a microtransaction fashion. And actually, the player count skyrocketed. It did quite well. I think it went up like sixteen thousand something percent, which was 
you know, impressive since the game is down to like less than a couple hundred people. Unfortunately, the player counts have dropped significantly since then on PC, and the game is just, again, really struggling to kind of keep its momentum and, and keep moving. So they have decided to cease all further production and support for the game. The servers will remain up on PC, so if you play the game and purchase content, you can still play for an unforeseeable amount of time, but they are not going to be working on it anymore, and they're just going to move on to a new project and and work on something else, which means that their plans to bring the free-to-play version to consoles is not going to happen. So if you're waiting for the free-to-play version on Xbox One or PS4, you are sadly out of luck, but you can probably still access it on PC. Just keep in mind that it is what it is, and you're not going to get any fixes or updates or anything like that. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think they probably kind of realized that the game was on life support, and it was just not worth it anymore to try to keep it moving. And it was, it was a good concept, but unfortunately executed poorly, and it just, you know, that's the end. So... No Man's Sky uh, is back again in the news, and (laughs) uh, what a joy. I'm not going to go into an angry rant this time, but we had a Twitter post that came up that was kind of interesting. And it said, from Hello Games at Hello Games, No Man's Sky was a mistake. And people were kind of going, oh, that's that's weird. And the the post was pulled down quickly, and and several media outlets uh, reached out to Hello Games and were like, "What's, what's going on? And apparently, what they're ultimately claiming is that both the Twitter and the email uh, of both the Hello Games like PR department and of like the, the CEO were hacked because they were sending back false emails to these game outlets saying like, "Oh yeah, no, this is a it was a mistake. We we shouldn't have made it." And it's it's you can look it up online, but it's it's been an absolute fiasco and very confusing, especially since Hello Games has basically said nothing since the game pretty much flopped on release and you know, despite fans, you know, with an outcry for a little more communication on what the plan is, what the, what's going on, they haven't said anything, and then all of a sudden they post, No Man's Sky was a mistake. So you can imagine the community is a little um, upset about this since they said, oh, yeah, well, it was a hack, um, but, yeah, we're going back to work and have since gone radio silent again. I mean, <laughs> what are you guys' thoughts? Do you think this is actually familiar. a hack? Or, um, <laughs> um, yeah, right. I, yeah, I mean, Twitter hacks these days have, have you know, been the thing they happen to seemingly everybody now so it's not like that's a surprise um and it you know if it's more than likely realistically that it was the email address that got hacked because then once you have the email address you can reset the twitter account you know so you know if there's one thing that they hacked it's probably the email address and they use that to hack the Twitter account well, Sean Murray, fun. He, he did resurface again i mean if you've seen the new uh the new dosecki's guy the new most interesting man in the world that's what? uh that's yep a... yep it's, it's <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's, guy? A, new there's a new dosecki's guy and it's sean murray Bull motherfucking he's shit. the most interesting man in the world he's been Fuck trekking off. around the world what <laughs> yep they've got a new guy and it is sean murray i swear to god if you're making me youtube something that's bullshit i will I'll help you out. <laughs> Well, it was it was funny because while this was all going on, they the Hello Games came and said, "Hey, don't worry, we we fixed the hack." And then someone had hacked into Sean Murray's Twitter, 
and asked, "Hey, Hello Games, are you still hacked and stuff?" So obviously, this was you know they they actually went around and and, and got into a lot of stuff with whoever was doing this and and had a bit of fun with it. So I you know again really go and look at the the, the trending like on the. The, the news outlets because there's like seven different updates because they kept getting different emails from different places and, and getting you know different answers for the whole thing. And so finally they said, yep, the whole thing was a hack and we're sorry. And we're going to, you know, go back to what we're doing, which is saying nothing. So it, it is, it is pretty funny, but yeah. Oh dude, this guy really does look like Sean Murray. Huh. I can't believe they replaced him. Yeah, dude, for real. What happened? To he that? went to the he went to Mars, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I know he he was kind of retiring, but I'm like, they 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 just replaced him. You can't replace the the most wait, interesting wait, wait, wait. man. Pokey, would you say he went to Mars? Yeah, you need to see the, the last commercial of the, the series here. He found a time yeah. machine. This is the same guy. What? Oh shit! Oh, is is, is that what, what it is? He went to Mars and found a time machine. TV. Probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. We'll, we'll put this in the show notes, but you, yeah. if, if you're listening, you've probably already Googled it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. But there is a new Most Interesting Man that's legit. It's it's on Doseki's uh, YouTube channel. I'm sure it's on TV, too, now. I was going to say, the, I'm looking at this shit seven months old, and I haven't seen it. This can't be right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's okay. it's been an ongoing and, and interesting uh, marketing campaign that they're definitely having fun with, uh, with Doseki's. Huh. Okie dokie. So uh, Final Fantasy 15 is one that I've been covering uh, excitedly for a while because it's, you know, it's a game I've been waiting for literally 10 years. That's how long it's been in production. And they uh, are releasing November 29th. So they came out with an Omen trailer, which is a full CGI. Uh, it's not just in-game, you know, uh, content. It's a full CGI. I think it's you know, quite a few minutes long. It's, it's pretty good. Um, and it's not so much meant to be hey, look at the gameplay of the game. It's, it's actually kind of a surrealist look at the events of the story and kind of giving people a hint of, of what's going on and, and the things that the character is going to go through. And it's full of symbolism, very Final Fantasy Square Enix style, but it is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, even if you're not interested in the game, I, I do suggest you take a look at it. It's kind of got the same animation quality as the Kingsglaive movie, which has been hailed as you know, top-tier CGI nowadays. Um, so uh, again, it, it's called the Final Fantasy 15 Omen trailer, and it's available on YouTube and pretty much everywhere. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really good, and I, I suggest you take a look at. It. I know Libby took uh, saw it, but I'm not sure if she's back, so we'll be able to get her thoughts on that. But again, it's it's pretty cool looking. So uh, I don't think anyone else here is is much of a Final Fantasy player, am I right? No, we're just we just watch how excited you are about it and. Live vicariously yeah, through well, that, and in, in, in vicariously through my my fanboyism. I mean, come on, so if if you waited ten years for a game, I mean, you you're either you know a Final Fantasy yeah, 15 fan when or Nova a Project launches, Nova buddy. Fan, so. When Nova launches, <laughs> I played for a month. I, I think I went by the character name uh, General Goods Merchant. <laughs> Going to show that Jadik is a sleazeball, no matter what MMO he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving along, we have Titanfall. And unfortunately, Zell, um, who belongs to the PC Master Race, his copy of the game does not work. However, uh, Dante, who is currently playing and, and declined to come on the show to talk about because he'd rather play the game, has been enjoying uh, the, the, the combat quite well. Uh, he basically said that 
If you were involved with the Titanfall 2 beta, you pretty much get the same experience with uh, the game. It, it, it's very similar. They've added more content, more guns and stuff like that, but the gameplay is, is pretty similar to the second rollout of the beta they had. And I will say uh, that Zell will be very happy to find out that the smart pistol is in the game, sort of. And it's like a power-up thing. Power-up yeah. Thing. No, it, it's, it's a stupid. thing where you... <laughs> they they, they won't stupid. let you be OP all the it's time, Zell. I'm sorry. It's not OP. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it it wasn't actually all that good, is the thing. It was like, it, to actually lock on and hit a player took so long that if somebody was actually, like, if they noticed you were present in the in the game, they would kill you before you had a chance to fire it. It was really good. It, it was really for killing NPCs, and that was really it. And it, it the drama over it is hilarious because it, it's just not <laughs> what it was. Um I, I mean, it wasn't even that. It's just a gun that aims for that. you. It wasn't even that it was like a thing that I was particularly attached to. It was just, it was so funny watching all this drama about something that's not really broken. It, you, you know what? You you know that feeling where you've heard someone say, oh my God, this is so broken, so broken, so broken. You're like, but it's really not. You can't tell me you've never, you've never seen that. Oh yeah. No, no. I got in dust all the time. And that's that's what this was. It it, it really wasn't wasn't that bad. I'm, I I am just giving Zell shit. I, I did not play much of Titanfall or Titanfall Two, uh, but you know I, I, there was quite a bit of drama surrounding the smart pistol and, and the fact that oh look it's a gun that aims for you. But I like to give him shit for it because uh, you know we we have to make fun of Zell's ability to to play first person shooters and that aim assist uh, with an auto locking gun is, is perfect for him. So it was good for me. I picked up Titanfall 2, and it was Titanfall $5 <laughs> on Xbox. Man, the game is, I don't, when that game come out, like, uh, 2013, 2014? You know, whenever it, it came couple, out, right? When, years and years ago, It was, ago, a, couple, right? it was a couple years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years and years ago, and motherfuckers are still running around that game with the goddamn smart pistol. Shit pisses me <laughs> off so much. Made me rage quit. I did not play Titanfall 2, in, or Titanfall in a long time, because of that damn gun. Fun game though. Well, the thing is, I feel like they're almost trying to prep this to be kind of the next Call of Duty. Uh, they, they, I think they realized that <gasps> with Titanfall was a success, and they're like, okay, well, we want to make another one, but we don't want to change the gameplay too much because it's good. You know, they, they don't want to mess with it, but they don't want to just release the same game with you know the same same stuff in it. So I think that they really focused this time on on really implementing the story and making it a really really good story. I've heard pretty good things about the story, and it's actually pretty yeah, lengthy. Actually and it's, having single yeah, actually, it's is uncommon. A single player that's not just disguised as single player, but really multiplayer. Right. See, yeah. The single player in Titanfall One was a joke. It was. It was not. I mean, it was just a staged set of the multiplayer games. See, yeah, you know, I mean the, you were talking about it being able to be the next Call of Duty, and it totally could. I mean, you know, it's it it, it did the jumping wall running shit before any shooter I know. Um, well, be, well, no, because Unreal, but that you know, people, you know, was was mainstream, I guess. Um, and, and they did it really well. And then you know, you have Call of Duty uh, doing it as well now. Um, but if uh, Respawn, you know, tried hard enough, then, you know, I, I really do think that it could be, uh, you know, something to that Call of Duty could compete with, or needs to compete with, I should say. Well, and even some of the later Call of Duties that came out after Titanfall looked a lot like Titanfall. I, I, I oh, don't yeah. know which one it is, I'm oh, not yeah. a Call of Duty player, but it was basically like Titanfall without the Titans, you know, pretty much the mm-hmm. same sort of gameplay where they're running on walls and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yep. I think the wall running was 
the newest Black Ops, but the the jump boosters and the sliding shit was Advanced Warfare. Could be wrong about that. No, I didn't play that one. I had double jumping for sure. Well, especially since it seems like the the player base that is the main supporter of Call of Duty, even they're kind of getting sick of the same thing, more or less being rehashed. And it's like, okay, well, we'll just push it another hundred years into the future mm-hmm. until, oh, look, we're in spaceships now. And they're like, okay, really? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think say, Titan, Titanfall people... is the, uh, Respawn is the, uh, the original creators of Call of Duty, basically, the, you know, that's that's yeah. my point. I think that's kind of what what they're going for. With they're going to try to reboot it and, and and take kind of take back the reins with a new a new IP. That's you know, it, it still brings the same sort of really smooth shooter mechanics, but they they do kind of want to add a new unique twist on. They can actually probably support a bit better because there's a lot of stuff you can do with with the Titans and in, in kind of the way the gameplay plays out, I think they have a little more options to mess around. But especially if the story is actually strong and compelling, people will want to pick it up because it's a good story. I mean, you'll, you'll see lots of games come out that the gameplay may not change much, but if they care about the story and they're invested, they'll pick up the next version and not complain about it because it's fun and they get to find out what happens next. Okie dokie. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, Battleborn is a game that I don't really play anymore, but I thought it'd be worth mentioning that they have released their 26th uh, free character. His name is Kid Ultra, and he's actually pretty hilarious. He's basically a love letter to retro gaming. He is His character model is obviously a, a pretty direct reference to Mega Man, and most of his moves and stuff, he runs around with little 8-bit sounds playing, and he makes tons of, you know, all kinds of old retro gaming references. I mean, there's endless one-liners in that game and you know again this is part of their kind of free content rollout that they've been doing so if you have you know been playing battleborn and you were you know you stepped away and want to go back again all the characters battleborn are free Uh, if you own the season pass you can unlock them immediately if you don't you can use in-game currency to buy them uh it just takes a little bit longer but you know, my brother again is is Dante is is he likes to play a lot of it, and he's been playing you know, Kid Ultra, and it's kind of this new support class, and uh, you know, it, it seems like it's it's pretty fun. It's just something that I, I don't tend to devote much of my time to anymore, but at least the very least Gearbox has been you know supporting it and trying to to roll out content. I know they rolled out their first story DLC finally, uh, a bit too late for me to care, but you know they're they're getting it out there uh, sooner than you know eventually. But you know that that's what's going on with Battleborn currently. So I'm going to hand the reins over to Zell now, and he's going to talk about the future of VR headsets with Microsoft as well as uh, VR TDs. So Zell, take it away. Yeah, so um, the the big news that I was paying attention to this week, um, kind of on more of the tech side, is uh, Microsoft had their big yearly hardware event. Um, Apple actually announced their new MacBooks the day later, um, just as a as a Really brief summary, uh, Microsoft announced a new all-in-one desktop PC that starts at three grand. It goes up to like $4,200 for those people who can afford such things. Um, and the Surface Book, which is their most expensive laptop tablet thingy, and um, those start at like two grand and they made it, they made more expensive versions of them too. But, uh, but so on the, on the VR side of things, um, the the big thing that they're they've talked about they're pushing next year is kind of expanding their uh, v, uh windows holographic thing from just the hololens device of their, to to um to all windows pcs and and that even if you have like an oculus rift or a vive you'll be able to use the uh you know the windows 10 holographic interfaces and designs um going forward when they roll that out to windows 10 in general um and the hololens which is $3000 for the development kit 
and um they i i, I heard that they're talking about like five thousand dollars it's like the retail price so it's really crazy really, out that's there. insane um, yeah it's it's for for people who, who can afford it clearly <laughs> well i have to laugh because when they demoed this they're like hey look we're we're playing minecraft with the hololens i'm like oh wow that's pretty cool it's gonna be like great for education and kids and they're gonna kind of market for that sort of thing so let's you know market our five thousand dollar piece of hardware with like a 25 dollar you have to wonder the what, have to, they're going what the for. heck this thing is made out of. There's got to be like, you know, the whole thing is going to just gold, be like fucking platinum. Um, <laughs> hey, so what was the, the glasses bullshit that they were showing off at one point? That was like the AR. That's, is that still a thing? That's HoloLens. You can actually, it's not like a whole VR. It's not. Um, oh, it's not? It, oh. Holo, HoloLens is, um, you see through it, and then it can also project on top of it. Is And so you can actually be looking at your wall, and then your wall can, like, fall away, and you'll see, like, a Minecraft world inside what of it. Because it, it's really cool. And, so, that's, and that's why it starts at $3,000, because it's really freaking cool. So does it, <laughs> it is so cool, is it yeah. VR and AR, or is it, like, just um, AR, and that's how that, that stuff works? HoloLens is, <laughs> seems to be... AR and that, but they are. So then the other thing though is that they're that they're partnering with a whole bunch of OEMs to do uh, VR headsets, and they're saying that they're going to start at three hundred dollars. Oh, um, so they and that they're talking about like working with companies like HP and Acer and Asus and Lenovo, the usual the usual crowd you look at when you're getting Microsoft, you know, Windows computers, um, are going to be making VR headsets. Dell's going to be making one, I guess. Um, and so somewhere in there, there's gonna they're they're looking at these lower price points, so we may actually be start getting VR headsets that we can afford, and you know, because I'm not dropping 800 on a Vive just to play with a couple of games. 300, 300? yeah, maybe. You I can maybe 5,000. Uh, no, I'm not buying a house <laughs> of 5,000. They can get a little cheaper first. <laughs> but hey, the other, no good. The other thing that I think is really cool about this is if if Microsoft's talking about having you know four or five six companies different you know making vr headsets that'll all run the same software this is this microsoft may be the closest we're getting to pushing a, a legit standard hey jack you said you got to mess around with uh the the thingy right i did yeah i got to use the ar platform it was how, really how cool was the thingy <laughs> yeah, the microsoft hololens yeah it does go. have a very limited field of view but uh, um, I guess the, the biggest detractor I had when I was using it is I couldn't use my glasses. So everything I was using in the application menu was, was hazy to me. But uh, for the most part, it was pretty responsive to my hand gestures because you use your, um, like, a, like a, uh, you bring your fingers together and then you open palm to be able to access the, uh, the menu and to be able to place down applications in your environment. And it does a really good job at, um, as you move around, it scans your environment and it gets a, a 3D picture for the processor on board. Because like, unlike your Vive or your Oculus Rift, the, the, the computer is on board in the headset itself. So you don't, you're not tethered to anything while you're using it. And it works really well. It was very responsive, um, but it's just, the biggest detractor was to me is the, the the lenses themselves. The glass had to rest up right against your face in order to give you the uh, the sense of like a, a holographic projection in the environment. So I couldn't have room for my glasses. I think I think they were talking about that they that uh, at least one of the companies that does eyeglasses was working on a lens that would fit with a specifically. The, you know, you'd have to 
specifically have your prescription made for the thing, but that you'd potentially be able to get like a little insert for Hololens that would would help right. with I prescription. Mean, right. Right. If you're paying five thousand dollars for a, a rig, you can get you your can own afford the two hundred dollar lenses, right? Oh man, that's that's nuts. Like just the, the amount of cost involved in that is just boggling my mind with all of this. I mean, it's it's very cool, but geez, my, it's not at all what I was my, expecting. My Google Glass was the same way, is that that you you know you could get prescription frames for them, but then you'd have to have lenses made for those frames. And so, unfortunately, the thing is with iTech is, you know, when they're trying to do cool things with your eye, they have to figure out, you know, A, how do we make this work for everybody? And then B, how do we kind of make it work for the people with, like, bad eyes? Hey, wait a second. The Google Glass, is that still a thing, though? No. Okay. No. I, I mean, I have it. It works. They still sell them to like enterprises, like on the down low, but they don't. There's no public face of them at all. They've closed up every public interface they had for the project. And oh. I mean, the big thing is Google. So Google is a privacy nightmare, and the last thing that Google wants is people realizing that Google's a privacy nightmare. So as soon as start people start equating Glass to a privacy issue, they're like, "Oh my God, people are people are getting the idea. We got to shut this crud down." So yeah, it's it's gone. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's the same sort of thing though. Is like they made it, you know, to be this new cool experimental thing with what they could do, and it looks really cool and it works really well. And I I used it, you know, I wore it for over a year. Um, but you know, one of the first complaints is, wait a minute, can I get one for the left for the left eye? And the answer is no. It's you know, it's a one size fits all device, and eventually they made a prescription lens fill you know option there. Um. But it's really hard to do stuff like with wearable technology that you can assume will work with everybody because people are different. You don't still wear it, do you? I do not. I haven't worn it in a couple okay. of years. Okay. Do you think they ever intended to actually take that somewhere or was it really just something they were playing around with? I absolutely think they intended to take it somewhere. What, what was the point of it? Like, I, I mean, I heard I heard cool things about like, oh, my God, glasses, but I never I never once, you know heard what the point of it was here's the big thing the big thing for there were two big things some people were obsessed with it for photos you could take photos while using both of your hands you can record videos while using you know with with both of your hands free that sort of thing um and so if you were someone who does like into certain active sports and stuff you could take video from your perspective while you know really active but for me, the biggest thing was just that I had this, you know, little lens near my eye that I could glance at and see my notifications. I never had to get out my phone to see if there was something going on. And one of the cases that I had was I was kind of driving um, east to west. I was crossing a major highway and and um, I got a text right before I got to the highway that somebody wanted to see if I could schedule move up the schedule on something. And I'm like, oh, I can get on the highway right now. No problem. And had I had to wait until I was off the road or, you know, able to able to deal with my phone, I would not I would have missed that text or, you know, it would have been another 20 minutes um, and then I would have to turn turn around and come back. But because I was able to just get that text and, you know, glance up at it, you know, then I knew, OK, I'll no problem. I can make this work. Um, so the biggest thing to me was just that it was right. It was right there and it was just enough information without being this big hassle to work with. Google Glass was also my first introduction to bone conduction technology. I thought that was amazing as hell. It was all right. I mean, I I didn't think it was loud enough. 
Um, yeah, but, it was I mean, that was the biggest challenge I had with that thing. Part of that, though, in my case, was that um, I didn't have the prescription frames, partially because I had the thing a year before the prescription frames existed, um, and uh, so I had like the prescription frames kind of sandwiched under my glass unit. And so I don't, I don't think the bone conduction mic was able to, or speaker was able to really get the best connection there. Gotcha. I, I mean, I felt like uh like naked snake from metal gear solids, like mailings calling in your codec. <laughs> it's like, Oh man, this is so cool. I tried that bone conduction stuff. Like, I don't know if it's just cause I didn't get the right headphones, but the ones I got, man, it was not loud enough. Even with my, you know, uh, volume all the way up, it was still... See, all you need is to just have it, like, implanted under your skin. I mean... (laughs) Get to black mirror. Except except when it, like, starts to fucking blow up or something. Yeah, I I, I actually, I hadn't caught up on all the episodes that already existed of Black Mirror, and now there's a new season. Um, So good. So I'm way behind on Black Mirror, but despite that, I'm just gonna, like shameless plug right in the middle of a completely unrelated topic if you haven't watched black mirror watch black mirror it's on netflix it's fantastic there are so many things in there that talk that show you where we're going on technology in a way that you maybe want to reconsider where we're going um it's just it's really well done i highly recommend it it's an anthology series it's not it's it's not episodic you can just grab any episode and and watch it um and uh yeah black mirror highly recommended it's on netflix so good i've watched it it's like it's like oh twilight zone for the modern era but it's so damn good i've seen season three you should watch it if you haven't seen it it was on netflix you said yep netflix picked it up um so you'll see a third and fourth season from them most likely your your story's all about the the google glass is actually pretty interesting it's a that's a really good example of a case where it would be used so i'm almost wondering if we'll start to see that sort of thing popping up in cars where you actually have like a a heads-up display on your windshield right on your windshield is there, is there now what what, what companies are doing that you has something um, like that i think there's a couple companies right now that have a little um it's a little console that you set on top of your dashboard and it projects a little heads-up display for you um i'm fairly confident mercedes has something like that let me look and I know there's been little HUDs, you know, that'll project your, like, even some cars, like my, I, there was an old Pontiac that my mother had in, like, the mid-90s that would, you know, put the speedometer up on the on, on the windshield that way. But, uh, I mean, a lot of them now, they connect your phone to the car, the car puts, your, you know, your critical info on the, on the screen there. Um, I'm trying to remember there was a specific company that just released their little HUD thing and and it did all that stuff. You could configure which type of notification showed up on it, but it had kind of middling reviews and I I don't I don't really remember to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of go ahead. Um, uh, some Land Rovers, BMWs, Lexus, uh, Chevy, who else? And uh, Hyundai. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that would actually be probably a good application for the technology that's not just gaming related, and especially it's probably a little more feasible because it's not as intricate as say the HoloLens. But you know, like Zell's example in the story, you could provide critical updates, you know, directly in front of you, and that way you're actually still looking at the road rather than looking down at your phone or looking at your your dashboard and, and directing your eyes further away from where you should be looking, which is you know straight ahead. So I think that's that's actually probably pretty cool. I think we'll probably see more technology moving in that direction with you know the passing years they they kind of adapt uh, a lot of these gaming peripherals i think are going to probably be 
where things start, but once they find creative ways to kind of play around with it, you'll start to see it in more everyday life, like cars and whatnot. That would actually be really cool and really helpful. Um, I know I always forget to look at my gauges um, maybe twice. Um, so just for, for people who, you know, uh, just don't think to look down there, um, you know, having it up on the windshield would be good. And also having your, uh, your navigation up there would be pretty cool too, I think. Yeah. And I mean, you could actually get into some pretty, pretty cool stuff, you know, yeah. where you've got your, your GPS and it's, it's tracked the route for you. And if, even like with my phone, it's got a lane assist where it says like, Hey, you need to be in these two lanes to make this turn and then, you know, in a mile. So you need to move over. Mm-hmm. You could actually have it, you know, mapping out on the screen, like, Hey, go to this place on the road and it's showing you where you need to go. And then as you get on your off ramp or whatever, the little line goes down the off ramp and you can actually truly follow the line. I think that that's, that's the sort of thing that's going to really appeal to consumers because it's, it's cool, but it's also, you know, it's got a lot of usefulness. And I think it, it's actually a better safety feature rather than having like, Again, something on your phone or on the dashboard where you're looking further away from, you know, the actual road. The question is, what would you put like in the uh, right there in the middle to replace all that if it's all on the uh, on the screen or up on the windshield? Or up on the windshield. Coffee maker, obviously. That's <laughs> the only thing you would want to actually put in your dashboard is, you know, drinking food. Okay, um, Zelda, do you want to cover the other uh, the other yeah, VR related yeah, topic? Yeah, I will. Um, I will take this one. I will take. He'll take um, the plunge for us. Yeah, so this is one of those stories that I saw. It came from kind of an off website. I wasn't totally sure on it, but I saw it and I threw it on the list. I'm like, we have to talk about it. It turns out, you know, The Verge and stuff have written articles since. Um, but there there was a, a popular YouTuber posted this chat screenshot um, about a game studio that says that Ocular Herpes has actually been, like, somebody got got the simplex virus from a VR headset. Um, and so they're like, make sure you actually, like, you know, use, you, you know, antibacterial wipes and stuff on your, on your, well, it, it's a virus, so antibacterial is pointless, but, you know, clean your headsets. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the article, the Verge's article since come out said, you know, this is incredibly, incredibly unlikely to happen because, um, that virus doesn't last live long outside of a human body. And generally, you know, it's, they said it's about the same likelihood of you getting it from some, from a, like a public toilet seat, but it's like, it was one of those stories. Wait, like, what? Whoa, 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 I can get herpes from a public toilet seat. It's not very likely. <laughs> Fuck dude. I'm nope. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, this so no, no, don't, don't respond, babe. <laughs> so yeah, sharing your your VR headsets has risks. Apparently, Japan was already ahead of us. They they developed a product for basically it was a face mask that you could put your VR headsets over. But uh, it, it seems like uh, I mean both Vive and Oculus they they went for the uh, the more of the fabric um, covering for the the inside of their headsets. Is that correct? I think so, and and yeah, that can be a lot harder to clean. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm kind of on board with where uh, Sony went with their uh, PlayStation VR. It seems like the the rubber um, uh, interior that I'm, they went with seems. I know it may, may, might I'm not a little iffy on a rubber ring stuck to my face though. Like it, you get that goggle effect. I well, mean, well, no, it, you you don't with the Sony. You don't though. right because it's it's not it's not pushed against your face. It's it's kind of like a halo ring in your head. That that's where it sits. And it doesn't press against your face with that. So it's, I mean, it's, it's it seems like it's easier to clean a rubber mask versus a fabric one. Yeah, definitely. 
and it's interesting that with the way that the, the PlayStation VR headset set up, because if you look at kind of the the concept art that they had for the the Microsoft one, it's it's definitely a similar style where it's almost like a crown that rests where most of the weight's on your forehead rather than um, around you know, the orbitals of your eyes with like a, like a standard like elastic headband behind your head, and so it's it's resting in front of you and the the headset's hanging there, and then you can adjust it in and out um, accordingly so you aren't grinding it against your face. So you actually don't necessarily ever have the, the headpiece or at least the eyepiece touching your eye or face region, which is much much more comfortable. I think that's the direction they'll go, and the fact that Microsoft is taking it that way, I I think they probably will continue, especially with you know again health concerns. I mean, chances are most consumers are going to be you know, not sharing it very often. It's going to be a home a home device and whatnot, but still, you know, it's a good thing to try to keep it easily cleanable and, and not going to be you know, grinding against your face and whatnot. Okay, so I think that's enough on the gaming news, and we're going to kind of move into a discussion. Uh, as promised last week, we mentioned that there were some topics that a listener of ours by the name of Casual Care Bear had suggested. So we are going to touch on those topics today, and then we've probably got one more after that. Uh, and then another we're going to save for another day because it's, it's a pretty lengthy topic. So uh, that being said, uh, one thing he wants us to kind of talk about is basically reward systems in games that developers put out for doing various things. May it be subscribing to the game at a certain time period or a sign-up bonus and whatnot. And one thing that he cited that he didn't particularly care for is that with EVE Online going to its kind of... Uh, free demo or trial version with the alpha and the omega clones the ccp put out that if you sign up for eve online like like a full subscription like now and you have a subscription when that change takes place you get a series of bonus ships and skins and whatnot uh, and he didn't particularly care for that because it felt like it was kind of a cash grab like hey we're going to give you five dollars worth of stuff but you got to pay 30 bucks to get it because you have to sub to the game and I kind of wanted to get everyone's thoughts on, you know, how those sorts of rewards work. Do you like them? Uh, examples of what you think a good implementation of that sort of thing is, what's a bad implementation, uh, and that sort of thing. So just kind of an open discussion and get your guys' thoughts on this. Well, they pitched it as a loyalty reward for, I mean, the celebration of going to Ascension. But it kind of feels weird that, I mean anybody could pay for the next three months because i think it came out in september or something like that when they announced it yeah that uh you could uh you could pay for this period of time to be given those loyalty rewards but i mean you've got people who have been with the game for decades now and i mean it kind of feels like they they might be shafted in a way for i mean who've been with the game as mean like 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 a loyal member but weren't they going to do some sort of veteran station thing and even it just never happened um I thought I recalled something like that, but I, I yeah, I mean, the the odd thing to me is it's like it it's people are probably staying sub because they're still playing. I mean, the 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 bigger loyalty I suppose would be staying continuing to pay after the free free to play comes out where you could totally just not pay. <laughs> it, I I thought it was kind of odd. It it actually it reminded me though of um uh, World of Warcraft actually did this oh. oh ways back um they had what's kind of when their their numbers were starting to sag a bit more and when they were um you know had a, had a big stretch between expansions where they really didn't have any content coming out um they came up with the wow annual pass which um said that if you uh paid for a 12 month subscription uh you would get diablo 3 for free and i did it and i still have never played diablo 3 and it's been three or four years yeah, I mean, you've got uh, like the way the Final Fantasy XIV does it is basically you have a series of of rewards that are 
you know, this is the 90 day reward. This is the 180 day reward. This is the 300 day reward and so forth. So it doesn't matter when you necessarily subscribe. Uh, it's just a matter if you say subscribe for a period of time and you can actually let your, your subscription fall off and pick it up later. And that's, that's fine. It's just the number of days you actually paid for the game. And then once you hit these milestones, you'll get this reward. It's, it's really just in-game cosmetic items. It's, it's gear that you can kind of glamor onto your, your, normal gear and, and change your character look like and in this case it's you know you can be iconic final fantasy characters and, and whatnot and they're actually going to be canceling that not that they're going to remove the, the function but they're going to stop adding rewards because their their feeling was that it's getting to the point where they're like three years out now so they advertise hey loyalty rewards but you know if you want this cool thing you have to play the game for three years to get it and they're going to kind of adopt a different way of doing things and and not make it so insurmountable that you know you you're you're showing off veteran rewards to new players, but as the game ages over time, it's going to be, I don't want to say awkward, but a little disgruntling for people that may want that particular thing, but they're going to have to wait, you know, forever to get it and, and play the game for a really long time. And I, I think that that sort of model works, but only for a period of time. Um, so you know, that's an example of a way that I actually like it being done, but, you know, it, it definitely has its its fallbacks as well. With regards to CCP and the timed loyalty rewards, um, it felt weird to some people. It hasn't been addressed yet, but with them moving back the Ascension uh, release from the 8th to the 15th, some people are still unsure if like, if you subscribe for the three-month period and like one of the rewards is um, um, contingent upon you being subbed at the time from like that three-month period to when the actual release comes out. If CCP is gonna um, That's a award good question. award you for being subbed past the eighth or the fifteenth, and some people are kind of in a limbo zone, maybe about that. So I talked to uh, CCP Falcon on Reddit, and he said he would mention that in an upcoming news post. So I don't think there's been um, clarification on that yet, but I would imagine CCP would honor that. That's a good question because my subscription expires on the seventeenth, so we're I'm pushing the edge now. I'm not in that in that limbo zone yet, but I could be. Yeah, I feel like if that was the original agreement was this date, and then, I mean it was obviously with the release, but really they were saying this date. They really need to honor that and, and move forward. I mean, it, yeah, it's not exactly what they were looking for, but that was the agreement, you know. Especially if you you know perhaps purchased a subscription with that date in mind and happened to line up such that it was going to you know, fall off in that limbo time period. It's like, what? So I got to pay for an extra month now, even though I was trying to, you know, be on the up and up. It's, you know, I, I do hope that they actually address that properly. Yeah. Mine actually was completely coincidental. Um, I tried to cancel my subscription like back in March and I had, I realized I'd paid for it. I had a 12 month renewal that expired on November 17th. <laughs> so as, as the case is my subscription from last November comes up comes up right after the free-to-play expansion comes out. Well, that works out well for you. Do you think you'll actually uh, pick it up back up again, Zell, and give it a shot? Probably not. No, I'm just, I'm just yeah. being honest. They, the, the, no, the, big, the big draw to me isn't there. And, the, the you know, the thing was, is when I first subscribed to EVE, there was the big talk. This It was right before Incarna. It was Walking in Stations is coming. I'm like, this is cool. They're developing this world where everything is in the the world and and there's so much here and then that that died and then there was well there's dust and dust is like a type of game that i really enjoy playing and well you know here we are so you know the thing is is right now they're not doing anything in eve that that draws me to it and that's that's just honest truth 
That's fair. And, and, you know, you bring up Dust, which is actually a really good segue for, for kind of talking about the way they did loyalty rewards there was, oh, that's clever. you know, they, everyone, oh, yeah, everyone knows that the, uh, the, they had the loyalty rank, but it really, your time playing the game didn't matter nearly as much as it should have. And I think that they never really released a proper formula of what constituted your, your final loyalty rank, but everyone kind of got the feel that it was more about how much money you spent, not how much time you've been playing the game. And that was kind of regarded as kind of a, you know, it, it didn't offer really much of an in-game benefit. I mean, there were benefits, but it was mostly you make a little extra isk and you can sell stuff for a little, a little more. And it wasn't like, you know, the war bards where you're getting a straight damage buff. So people kind of let it go, but it was an example. Of, it was like, is this really loyalty? Like, well, what's your definition of loyalty? Is it how long I've been playing your game or is it how much money I've spent I, on it? I'm just saying if it's a free-to-play game, spending money on it is a way of demonstrating some sort of loyalty, I would think. True. Because you don't do have you to, think but that that's, Do you think that's more important than time spent? I mean, obviously, if you, you do the system it, I mean, how... I mean, in the in the purely cynical view, you I mean, free to play games, you know, have the general benefit of the large community of free players. But essentially, you need to make enough money from your paying customers to support a game, the game for all the free players. So the people who give who, who do pay money are pretty, pretty freaking important to the, the overall function of the game. Yeah, in. And this is you have to be careful with that though, because that's a psychological effect on the players. Then that when the, the company goes, well, we actually really care more about you know how much money I, you spend, which I'm is not as, saying, as you said, I'm not saying it's something that the game developer could say. I'm just saying when you look at it in truth, in reality, those paying customers are a heck of a lot more valuable to the game company than the than free players, because free players are easy to replace. Paying players, you have to win over. And that's that's true, and I, I don't disagree that you know obviously a business model has to make money. That is the end goal of any company is to make money, even in games. But you, again, it's it's a it's a dangerous dance because you need to make sure that when you are presenting to something feel like that, that too. you feel loved you too. you don't want you don't <laughs> want the free the free playing players to feel like they don't matter to the company. In in this case, while I think it everyone just kind of brushed it off, it wasn't that big of a deal. In a new game like Nova, for example example you have to be really really careful with that because if they go well your your loyalty doesn't really matter i mean it's, it's really how much money you spend because i mean that's how business works which is a true statement it's gonna really put a bad taste in the mouth of the people who don't actually pay and in you know people who don't pay now doesn't mean they'll never pay ever i mean you, you will have people that will play the game and try it out and if they like it they'll probably eventually spend money on it you don't so want to lie to them until around. you get their money does it? I'm not saying lie. I'm saying make them feel appreciated <laughs> so they stick around. Does anybody know if they have a, a monument to Denny Fleetfoot in the Shanghai offices? They have to. This it's part of the third like floor. Gold the whole third floor is funded by him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like we had someone slip into the chat. Lether, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, what's up? Uh, I'm I'm Lether. I've I've been on before, been on like a before. year <laughs> and a half ago. We we still introduce ourselves every week. So, okay, yeah. excellent. Um, I mean, Dust is so dead now that I don't have anything interesting to say um, related to uh, to that. What else, so. do you, what else do you play? Uh, school, I guess. <laughs> like, Dude, I love that game. Math yeah. is intense. I, I'm, no, I, I'm, I, I'm giving it a, now, a so. one-star review on, on school. I just, I wasn't impressed. The, the plot wasn't very good. Um, 
I mean, characters it, were you, assholes. Like, it has some, it has some the really clear kind of, kind of some, character design. It's really um, clear reward tiers, okay? I, I will <laughs> say, though, the one thing you can give it, though, is that um, School does not, is, is, it's a very lengthy game. You don't run out of content anytime soon. You do have to keep paying. It, like, if, if once you get past, like, high school, you have to pay a crud ton for the content, though. Oh, I don't know. There's a peak, right? Like, I mean, other than opportunity costs. Like, I, as I a mean, PhD student, I don't, I don't pay. I just don't make as much money you as someone who is actually... You don't pay a PhD student? No. I mean, I have a stipend. Otherwise, it's completely unaffordable. Exactly. That's, that's my point. But, I mean, it's, it's still an opportunity cost, because you can usually make more money in a... That's what they want in, you to think. In any kind of industry, right? Especially in, like, in computer science and math right now, which is quite hot. So if you're decent, you can go work for someone who will pay you good money. Well, I live down here in bachelor degree land, buddy. Well, tr- <laughs> us us me, filthy plebs. <laughs> trust me, the, the one-year master's is not particularly, uh, particularly soothing, as I, as I imagine the, the money I could be ranking in from, uh, you know, Wall Street people hire a lot of math stuff now. If you want to sell your soul, you can make a lot of money that way. I, souls are very valuable. I mean, you know, you can make a ton of money selling those. CCP deals with them almost exclusively. <laughs> that pause is the I'm famous sorry. awkward. I'm famous awkward It's okay, we cut out all the silence in, in post. And, and sometimes cut out me entirely when I screw up the audio setup and, and mute myself for the entire stream. <laughs> we'll fix it in post! What, we're not doing it live? We we are doing it live. Actually, we do it live and then we fix it in post. So I feel no, really, I feel really really sorry for the people who actually do listen to us live. Thank you for doing so, but I'm sorry for you, um, because yeah, you get the 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 much more rough. Like there will be like ten seconds of awkward silence after like three different people speak because like no one knows who should speak next. And then after there's enough of a silence, we figure out, oh yeah, maybe I should speak. And then then we then we talk, and it, it all disappears from the podcast. You watch you watch them, you get the thing from iTunes, and it, it sounds great. Well, it sounds better, much better. Better, better. not the not stream is not full great. of awkward silence. So yeah, on a previous topic though, related to dust, was the loyalty rings thing. I, I thought I'd mention that uh, what I I wasn't so much a fan of is the fact that they had um, intrinsic bonuses. I mean, you on the one hand. Like, if you don't, then it's just, like, a flashy badge that you can or, or can't show off, right? Depending on your uh, your decision about it. But the, the kind of extra loyal, uh, what was it, faction uh, loyalty point and experience gain percentages, they weren't that much. But it's kind of like, okay, you pay money and what you usually get is more experience or more loyalty points at the point where, you know you're kind of at a decently high loyalty rank. And then you sort of get permanent bonuses to uh, for paying in for bonuses. So it's sort of a double whammy against people who are unwilling to pay. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that that completely undermines the idea that you should factor in, uh, factor in people's purchases, but uh, it did create an environment that wasn't fantastic another one of those sort of uh uphill slope type feelings right? well, 
I, I mean, I know, I understand what it is. It's like, you know, it was with the War Barge thing, for example, is where it's like, technically everybody can take advantage of this, but the game will be shut down before you get to it if you didn't pay for it. The whole notion that, you know, that the, the free player getting that reward is so far out, it's not even funny. Yeah, well, the whole War Barge thing was, um, I don't know, it was like an interesting idea, but the they never really had time to rebalance it to make it kind of palatable, if that makes sense. And I, I think there was a lot more to it that never, you know, really never happened. And that was just, you know, the state of where, what they could do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, though, is that you, you have to balance how you treat the, the, the benefit to paying to go early, to get things earlier versus people who need to at least finally get it at some point. And I mean, like some of the some of the stuff from the war barge wasn't too big a deal again it's just like minor balancing things but of course there was all of that experimental and officer gear that ended up getting pumped out at the end which was kind of interesting interesting with air quotes yeah i mean it's it's been long enough for me to just say interesting rather than you know fly off about how stupid it was but yeah i mean it felt like they were trying to do something but probably had a lack of time or limited resources to actually probably do it like you said Lether. but it it ultimately ends up acting as kind of a beta test for well how would this system work you know even if we did this 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 differently is it a viable system and i think a lot of the stuff they did probably would be there was just definitely some nuances that were not something that was good for the game like with the you actually raise a really good point with the whole if you buy into to buy in most cases people purchase boosters or lp boosters that ultimately earned you permanent bonuses giving you the same thing and it was a kind of double stacking thing and in a game where the economy was more important um, obviously isk was totally broken at the end of dust but if, if the economy was more important that would be really really bad that would cause a lot of problems later on the line i think it's a good thing that the economy didn't matter, but certainly something that they would want to avoid in the future if they do want to have an economy that actually matters. So I know something you brought up the other day, Pokey, uh, but I missed the beginning of the show, was something about asymmetric maps and game design. Is that something you guys talked about earlier? or We are going to get to the character, asymmetric character design, probably. Uh, we might save the map one for another show, simply because it is a rather substantial topic and we're pushing the hour mark already here um oh, would you that. be available oh, to that. come back at a different time and talk about it because I, I, I would like your input on that yeah of course i was interested in it so yeah that'll be a good one so yeah so we'll actually probably move into the character once like i said we are pushing the hour mark here so i know zell had some thoughts about overwatch that he wanted to bring up and it will, it will be a good segue into the overall topic of uh class-based games and the issue of character or hero stacking so do you want to kind of give your thoughts uh zell briefly um yeah so um people have uh, seen me over the last i don't know several months um you know uh dishing out praise for overwatch on a, on a regular basis um i'm done i'm sick of it i'm 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 absolutely livid at at ccp and at, or no 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 there's no. a different company i'm living at sorry it's blizzard it's blizzard i'm living at this week um it's very hard to get that straight um but basically the game has they've they've decided not to deal with this problem and for too long and it's gotten worse and worse to the point that it, it's very frustrating when you're looking for a match and you finally get a you get a match you get in and you find out that the other team is running six tracers and then you kill them all because tracers are not that hard to kill when there's six tracers and then they all come back as six winstons and then they come back as six reapers and then they come back as six something else and it's you don't you don't get a chance to really play the game you're either 
you're either smashing through them because they're they're it doesn't work or you're not prepared to handle that many of an overpowered ability and they smash through you but either way it's not fun it doesn't like you can win or lose when there's an all team hero stack and it's just not fun to play against at all so uh, have they enabled that and is it non-competitive that they it's, allow hero stacking yes it's, it's the quick play mode and uh, they used to allow it in competitive but literally how this went was they had their first pro event for overwatch and they got like one day into the event and they realized it's not fun to play and it's not fun to watch when you don't have a hero limit and the game has the ability to do hero limits and they put that in they had that built into the game from from the start and they can use that in certain game modes but and and now competitive does have a hero limit but they refuse to do anything about it in quick play and if you complain about it, everyone says well it's just quick play it's meant to be casual fun but the problem is it's not casual fun it's just a small group of players that ruin the game for everyone else and i i don't think that there should be any support for players who solely are there to troll it ruins the experience for everyone playing against it and i think it should simply be removed you know, I did think this was an interesting discussion that came up around Overwatch because, uh, you know, people have done a back and forth on on hero stacking. One of the things that I think sometimes gets overlooked is just how many more combinations, team combinations, that, that ends up adding to, like, the balance pool. I mean, you're already looking at a huge number uh, numerically just from... Uh, a situation without hero stacking, but you can kind of reason about it well enough to do balancing, right? As soon as you start like letting people double up, you have to start saying like, I, I want to give this, uh, speaking of asymmetric character design, I want to give this character this sort of asymmetric benefit, right, over other characters. And, you know, one of those might make sense, but then you're starting looking at like two or three instances of that. And that's where you start getting into really wonky, like, uh, kind of just gamey stuff right like so i i was i'm surprised that they left it in quick play even because it's it's it has to be impossible for them to balance it is there i mean as i said it's when someone does six six of one hero either they get destroyed or they absolutely dominate there's no there's no good gameplay experience you know and 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 the thing is, is it's like, even when you allow two or three of the same hero, it can be very broken. Um, one of the good examples is Mei. Mei is nearly impossible to kill, even though she's not a tank, just because she can freeze you if you're close enough to her. And then she can constantly, she can practically chain her ability to create uh, ice walls between her and you and for her to ice block herself, which self heals her. So she's a very trollish character to begin with, and she can, she can hold a point you know, an objective at some points to a ridiculously lengthy amount of time. If you've seen a game that spends, that's in overtime for two, three, four minutes, it's because there's a May sitting in the middle of the objective. Um, and so when you start seeing two or three of them, it becomes super problematic. She also has a wide area AOE that affects, that can affect the, it can freeze everyone on the entire objective area for almost any map. Um, so she's a very powerful hero. She does have you know, things that she, you know, downsides, but when you combine a couple of them, they become nearly unstoppable. Um, the other thing, of course, is with those ultimates is if you know who's on the field, you're usually trying to keep an eye on, you know, like, um, so Mercy's ability is she can resurrect like everyone who's dead. Um, and so 
there will be times where you will kill everyone and then um, Mercy just suddenly reses them all. Um, and that's okay. And in, in certain increments, it's balanced. Um, but you want to keep an eye on where your hero's ultimates are. So if I know that Mercy has recently resurrected, I'm a little I'm a little comfortable that I'm not going to have suddenly everyone show up alive around me again. Or I know that if I kill Mercy, then I get a chance to kill the rest of the team as long as I kill her first. Um, so the problem is, is when when people have multiple of the same hero, you end up not being able to really keep track of when those ultimate abilities are coming up and you can't really work around them. Um, one of the problems that is I've been in matches where it's all McCrees and you hear nothing but it's high noon, it's high noon, it's high noon. It's it's uh, it's maddening. Um, and so there's a there's a lot of this that it, it's and it's not like it's variety that's needed. We have a ton of we have like six tanks, six, uh, you know, of s- s- healers. We have a ton of different multiples of different classes of hero. We now have two snipers. You can pick a variety. You can have a much more varied gameplay than, say, one um, League of Legends, which would insist on you have a tank and and a, a support, and then you have like a, a jungler person. And you don't have to have that level of a of a predetermined fitting. You can you can have you know a tankier group or a more heal heavy group or a high damage group or whatever. But there's no reason to allow multiples. There's plenty of heroes. Yeah, and and also I, I think it's weird for them to have an inconsistent policy across um, casual play and competitive play uh, because that fragments your your kind of balance effort into two different streams. I I've played games oh, I don't that think they're do this for but, it at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like like you say, I mean it might be casual play, but that shouldn't mean that like. You know, there's always this dichotomy of you go into the competitive ladder-based play and people take it super seriously, right? So maybe you don't want to have that experience where people are, you know, especially at lower levels, might be shouting at you for, like, you know, sneezing or whatever the heck. So you go into the casual ladder, but then it's just kind of never really paid attention to balance-wise because there's obviously they're going to prioritize the competitive over over non-competitive for balance changes. So... Yeah, I I find it striking that they they don't keep that consistent. I mean, I've played games that that um, have balanced competitive and PVE differently, right? Um, the original Guild Wars did that, for instance. But like, the, that's different from from balancing two different variants of competitive uh, PvP uh, differently. Yeah, and the the thing is, is I I seriously when when I'm playing Overwatch. I go into competitive to relax because I know that I'm going to deal with no stupid nonsensical crud that they allow in quick play. Competitive for me is actually more relaxing right now. I just don't, you know, it is irritating when I'm just going into play for fun by myself. I don't have, I don't have any friends with me, you know, to be, you know, dealing with the ranking mechanic and stuff like that. It's just, I, I just don't get why they don't want quick play to be fun. (laughs) Because that's all they're doing, is preventing quick play from being a fun game mode. I'm interested, is there stuff on the forums about it? Like, because usually it seems like Blizzard is fairly reactive. I don't think they're the best in the world, um, but... There, there is, I mean, the, the problem is that your crowd of people who support it is loud as well. Ah, classic. I mean, the way that, that Battleborn does it it's, is that it's, it's, they don't allow stacking, but they'll make the 
stackable thing, like an event that you can choose to opt into, but it's like a temporary thing that pops up every couple of weeks, you know? And right. it's, it's fun right. because it is broken. I mean, you go in without the intention of actually playing seriously, and you can do things that are clearly not intended to be done because they break the game, but you know, you, you, you opt into it as a an element of if it's, you know, it, it's something stupid. You're not really taking it seriously and it's not all the time. I think that it definitely does fall apart in, in Battleborn as well, where if it was like that all the time, it would be absolutely infuriating because you would see these crazy combinations that are not working as intended because you're able to stack certain perks and whatnot that, that completely break the game and it all falls apart. And I think the, the mantra that, oh, we'll just go to competitive, well, I, that's like saying, oh, well, if you don't want tanks, you have to go into PC. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be this where you have to go up to avoid a certain weird gameplay sort of thing. It, it should really be the other way around where you have, you know, more openness at the higher level because it's, it's, it's at a, a different kind of level of play. But for like your standard game, you shouldn't have to go into competitive just to avoid this particular thing. At the very least, give people the option. Do you want a game mode where you can hero stack or a game mode where you can't. I think that's probably the best way to make everyone happy. Granted, it may split the player base, but is Overwatch has a big about that. Player. No, they can afford to split their player base. Yeah, have, exactly. They're huge. Um, and honestly, I think if they did, I think I think eventually you'd have nothing but trolls who are in the hero stacking room after a while because it, it's just it's so frustrating to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, in terms of MOBAs, I think that to avoid that issue, it's simply just don't allow hero stacking. But what about games where uh, you have class-based, like let's use Dust, Dust, for example, where you've got your Sentinels, your Commandos, your Lodges, that sort of thing, and they're they're designed to be uniquely different. They've got their own set of skills. In many cases, they have things that only they can do. How do you balance that sort of thing or, or what do you think is important in balancing that sort of thing where you obviously can't restrict one of every class to the match because you have more players than you have classes i mean what are your thoughts on that your experiences even in dust or other games for example that have the same sort of class system how to avoid the same sort of pitfall i mean if, if i can say one of the things that seems really relevant from dust's angle and uh, in a lot of other games that that do asymmetric character design well for FPSs is you you have to be really careful on a design level identifying the sort of attributes that um, that combine really effectively or the types of attributes that combine with other attributes generically really well right I mean this is something that um, we had a lot of problems in in dust with scouts right um, scout balancing. And part of that was because they sort of lacked their original role, and the attribute that they had that they were intended to have was mobility, right? And it turns out that mobility, you know, from design level, you combine it with almost any other decent attribute, and they synergize really well. So, so that that's kind of my insight on a lot of this stuff. Is a lot of the stuff that, uh, you know, we have a lot of acquaintance with Dust that where Dust had bad balance issues. Um, where other games have as well is is where kind of roles overlap and attributes uh, are just uh, just synergize in unexpected ways. And I mean, you can avoid that issue by making the characters more homogenized, the classes more homogenized, where they don't differentiate much, so it's difficult to cause 
a multiplicative effect where you have too many of them together, uh, but that's kind of boring. So it, again, it's kind of this difficult balancing act, like you said, where you have to really take a look at what are you going to make unique about the character and go with a very careful, you know, c- careful walk forward of how much am I going to differentiate and how is that going to work with other characters as well as if you have a lot of them. Because we'll, we'll use vehicles, for example, like like uh, like uh, Zell and I like to, like to banter about that one tank was rarely a problem. A team could deal with one tank. It was it was you know it could be difficult depending on which build you were looking at, but it was not. It was balanced. When you had five of them, that's when it fell apart because it got to a point where you, the normal countermeasures that would work to deal with that no longer worked. Even if you brought more people to deal with it, it still wouldn't work because of the way that they would synergize together and allow, you know, to do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. And I'm not saying that teamwork is OP and should be removed, but there's a good example of something that was not, you know, it was not looked at very carefully in what happens if we have too many of these. And you can't Unless you put a hard limit on it like they did, eventually they said you can only have so many vehicles on at once because it, it breaks if you don't. Which, you know, for, for something like a vehicle, I can kind of understand that angle, but it's something you wouldn't want to apply to, say, scouts or sentinels. They're saying, oh, well, you can't deploy as your favorite class because there's too many of them on the field. That kind of turns people off in, in the kind of a setting you have with like Dust 5.4 or, or, or an FPS of any kind or, or any other class-based game um, where you you are going to allow hero stacking or, or class stacking of that sort. So you raise a good point that it is very important to look at that carefully and make sure that you aren't going to have unexpected results from different combinations that you're going to allow. At the same time, you don't want to make it so extreme that you have to put hard limits on it to make sure that those things don't happen. Because again, that's not very organic and it feels clunky and it's not good game design. I mean, what needs to happen is if you have too many of something, the experience needs to suck. Um, I mean, one of the things that Overwatch does when you're building a team is it has a little thing on the side that says, oh, you have too many snipers, not enough support, too many offensive heroes, you know, no tanks, no healers. It has little warnings to say, you know, you might want to tweak this for your team comp. And so you can, you can, as you're selecting, be like, oh, you know what? You're right. You need a healer. Let me grab a healer. Um, But I mean, the thing when it comes to something like Dust, where it's, where it's all classes and there's no individual choices, I, I think the big thing is you just need to adhere to some basic game concepts that sometimes companies seem oddly opposed to doing which is to ensure that if you are the high if you are the highest survivability character you have the lowest damage things that are hard to kill should not do a lot of damage you need if as long as there is a a balance there where your your tank can handle some of the handles the damage and your you have a damage dealer that is weaker that deals the damage but doesn't survive as much and then you have the support person which helps keep the tank alive that's a that's a that's a tried and true working mechanic it works but the problem is when people say oh well my support character doesn't do enough damage i don't feel useful because i can't shoot things and and you get or or you know my tank is doesn't feel powerful enough and you get these mechanics where these things where people say okay well fine everybody should be able to do damage and then you've broken the entire game mechanic that's you you need to make it possible for people to fail by having a really bad composition this is an interesting point and it's related to something i've been thinking about and it's specifically related to scouts how scouts turned out in dust is if you're going to have asymmetric character design 
you need to be careful that the roles that you envisage for each of your asymmetric characters um, are actually supported by the game modes as well. One of the biggest problems with the the example here is scouts and dust is that um, is that the game mode didn't really have a niche for them, right? Like they were these speedy, somewhat stealthy characters in uh, in a game mode that. At best, it's like you have to be at a very specific point in front of a console in, in order to activate it, right? That was the game design. And additionally, there were very few secondary objectives. So it, it ended up being that, like, you know, sneaking a scout around the side to do a secondary objective, which is what you imagine that niche being, wasn't actually an available outlet uh, to, to put people into if they were playing scout. So, so this is a specific instance of the more general principle, which is like, you, you want people's roles to be well supported by the game mechanics. Well, and that's an issue that I come back to with the vehicles that was longstanding, that the main problem was is that you, the game design did not give vehicles a purpose other than shoot stuff and blow people up. There wasn't any... There, well, there wasn't anything they could do necessarily that was significantly different than what anything anybody else could do but then you have to get into the angle of okay well why would you use a vehicle if you could do the same thing with an imagery okay well we'll give you more hp and more damage well then you start to run into issues of you know they start creeping up in power and they're too strong and like okay well let's bring it down so they're easy to kill it's really hard to balance one-to-one like that you need to provide unique situations where each class can really shine and you saw this kind of in the game brink which, well, the game itself had a lot of its issues, and it, it was largely brought down by the PSN issues that came out. Um, when PSN went down for like a month, when the game launched, like the day before the game launched, they still had an interesting mechanic, and, and this is something we'll probably touch on um, next episode when we talk about the, the asymmetrical um, map design, but each class had unique abilities. So like the operative uh, could, he was lighter and faster, and he could hack, uh, hack through doors, or the heavy could plant you know, charges. And you would progress through the map, and you had different ways of getting through the map or different ways of accessing certain areas that were unique to each class. So like the operative could get to a certain area that no one else could get to and then get down behind the gate and open the gate for everyone else, or the heavy could blow the gate up and you could progress through. There was lots of ways to say, I'm having trouble getting through this this enemy setup of characters, but if I switch to this character, they can do something that's unique and different that will allow me to you know, circumvent what the enemy is doing and preventing me from, from progressing. And I think that you're right on point, Lethal, that you need to give opportunities to all classes that are maybe unique, or, or at the very least highly encouraged that you do it with that class. So you say, oh, crap, we got to go capture this this relay thing. We need to spawn as a scout and run over there because it's going to take too long to get there with anything else. That's the sort of game design that really kind of helps prevent people from having weird, awkward uh, team comps, like, like Zell said, it was difficult to fail with a bad team comp in Dust because in many ways the characters were capable of doing far too much. Like, I, there was a notion that floated around very briefly that people quickly shot down with the idea that, hey, your Sentinels can no longer hack objectives because you don't want a bunch of Sentinels sitting on objectives. You want to have 
other characters that can get in there and, and hack better. And they kind of push that direction a little bit with, you know, logistics having faster base hack speeds and, and the, the Mimitar scout being able to hack really fast. And that was great. But you almost needed to kind of cut off people and go, you can't do this because of this class, but you can do this other thing really, really well. And so you aren't going to want to have all the same class because you're going to fail at that one thing they can't do. You want to have a proper balance. And I think that if it's designed properly, the team comp will organically form around what needs to happen in the match based off of what each role can do, rather than having a single defend this one point and you basically hunker down and that's the whole match. I mean, that's the way that most PC matches turned out to be. And that's the way that, you know, a lot of uh, pub matches turned out to be. And it was not fun. You know, it, it wasn't really an engaging sort of gameplay because you didn't force them to adapt and change and move around and, and do different things throughout the match. And I think that that's going to be actually really critical moving forward with, say, Project Nova and how they handle the classes. They need to make them a little more unique. And, and like Zell said, if you you almost need to have kind of adhere to more strict game guidelines and, and maybe say, no, you don't get to do everything because it's going to break if there's too many of you, if you're too good at everything, or at least really good at one thing and, and, and average at everything else. That, that character will instantly become preferred over everything else because of that advantage of being a jack-of-all-trades and master of this one thing that their class is designed around. And I think that's one really critical thing they need to avoid with uh, Project Nova, for example. Interesting point, like just how even small tactical things can can change this calculus. Uh, speaking of Sentinels on uh, on consoles, you know, I I think one of the major failings in Dust in particular was an, a very tactical thing of having the uh, the capturing of objectives, especially primary objectives, tied down to a single console, and especially the way those consoles were placed in the map were often very um very much in dead end or. or otherwise very easily defensible areas. And this this kind of very much changes, for instance, how uh, you might look at a Sentinel, right? Like, what is what is the purpose of a tank class in a kind of asymmetric uh, FPS? You're, you're looking for this class that sort of, um, it, it doesn't do a ton of damage, but it does enough damage that you can't completely ignore it, and then it has a lot of health, right? So it's sort of like, the intent is to force your uh, your opponents to engage, right? Like um, in in Dust, you know, Sentinels pulled this off. They were certainly quite scary um, in close quarters, but they were almost uh, they could easily be too strong because of that specific tactical design of having really defensible consoles. And I mean, this this actually leads led into the scout stuff as well, where scouts had a really hard time being sneaky um, object, objective accomplishers because you know exactly um, exactly where they have to turn up in order to accomplish a secondary or primary objective. Um, you know, these are sort of careful considerations that I, I'd hope in any game, you know, that people would be sitting down and thinking about in the design stages, right? Like, would it be better off if they moved to like a capture area, like like an Overwatch type of thing, where you just have to I, be around it or in the you know in the in the zone, and maybe your hack your suits hacking it by your presence in close enough quarters to the antenna or something? I, I think that would have been a huge improvement for a lot of things. It would have. It's weird because it's so tiny, right? Like, but also consider like snipers in in Dust, right? And like one of the problems with balancing snipers is you couldn't make them 
too strong because then people could go camp in a far out place in the map and look at the, you know, two square feet in front of a console. Like People do that anyway, though. I mean, yeah, they, they do that, but the reason why the, um, the sniper was made ineffective in Dust, I think, is partially because, um, well, because they were going after a particular type of design, which is the camp a good ways away and, and have high power sniper design, but you couldn't make it too powerful or else the entire game would grind to a halt. And indeed, at the beginning, I remember having this experience um, with, there are a few people who are just very good at finding these areas out uh, way out in the map and headshotting people when they came up to consoles and it made it incredibly difficult to play around 42 and oh man that's that's how you do it right there hmm. point, balance point right at the console head shows up fire head shows up fire well and it became enough of an issue where they they finally flat out said we designed the map such that you can't actually snipe the console hack point from any angle. I mean, that was their intention that you, you cannot actually attack the console. And I, I feel like when you have to really put a hard map design like that, you have a, a bigger problem at hand. And I think that like you said, you know, if it's more of not so much hacking a console, but controlling an area that, that changes the dynamic of, of capping a point significantly. Cause it's not so much about defend the one guy while he runs in and gets his you know, two second hack off. It's more about, did we actually control the space? And, and that changes a lot of things. You can, you can open it up a bit more and you can have snipers, you know, do proper area denial and, and they, they can't control a single point by themselves by, you know, providing a one shot kill if someone goes to hack, but at the same time they can still exert force on an area that is important and, and it makes them a little more dynamic. I think that that actually lends itself to a much more interesting gameplay that's easier to balance without having to put hard limits like you aren't allowed to see consoles if you're a sniper. I mean, it also adds a nice, uh, I, I know this is getting a bit more specific than the actual topic, but it also adds a nice um, type of uh, type of angle where instead of like, I'm controlling this one point in front of this one console, and if I can do that as a defender, then then I win. It doesn't really matter how many people turn up as long as I stop them from, from getting to that console for long enough. Whereas when you do the, the capture area, especially you do the, the capture area based on sort of majority in the capture area per team, then you, you change the situation to if I have an opponent with a spawn point that's nearby, or, or that's holding out a certain amount, even if they're dying a few times, they're still exerting a lot more pressure on me to start putting people in the area. So it, it means that you have to react more as the defender to uh, to changes in the attacker's uh, troop disposition, which is not having to react very much is one of Dust's big uh, downsides in, in the capture point. Because, like, you know, it, it led to these kind of campy games where as long as you could hunker down well enough on that one small area in front of the console, then you could take the majority of your people somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, that, that kind of gets into map design, which is, of course, very important when you're setting up, designing your character roles, you know, what is this character going to be doing? And that obviously ties into the map design as well, which is obviously important and, and something we'll, we'll definitely want to cover, I think, moving forward that, you know, you have to 
look at the whole picture and decisions you make early on, like you said, with, with the capture point, I mean, regardless of where one may stand on the issue, that is a very core core system that everything is based around after that point, because if that's the main objective of what you're trying to do in a match, the way the map is designed, the way the characters are designed, you know, what does each role do? How are they going to interact with the objective of the match is all very important. And it's definitely something worth exploring further in the future. I think that we'll, we'll definitely pick this topic up uh, next week, as well as the, the, the map topic of asymmetric gameplay and, and map design in general. I think that'll be a really good topic and probably take up a, a good portion of next week's show. But unfortunately, we are kind of getting low on time here. We're a bit over the hour mark now. So is there anything else anyone else wanted to cover real quick before we move into uh, shoutouts? Did we make fun of Eve players at Eve Vegas for thinking that Nova was going to be there? <laughs> uh, not so much made fun, but we we, we did discuss that. Uh, there was mentioned by CCP Lod, uh, sorry Logi Bro that the Shanghai studio is indeed working on Nova. Um, it's people seem to think that the green light had to be publicly announced. Um, that's not the case. They can do whatever the hell they want, um, which is probably start working on it and not tell anyone. Uh, but yeah, so they, they are working on it. Um, obviously, CCB Logic Loop has been talking about the maps he's been working on. Uh, we, we really can't get anyone on the show until they kind of raise their their uh, you know press blackout, but you know, they, they, it is something they are working on, and, and they show an interest in communicating once they are allowed to. So we'll get people on the show and, and talk about all that good stuff when they can in due time. But yeah, so let's move into shoutouts. Um, I'm going to make you do it, Zell, so you're at the top of the list. Shoutouts, man. I give my shout-out to our wonderful guests this week, Jadik and Lether, for making this show sound like it was more than just, uh, you know, the four of us who are here every week. Here Me every rambling. Week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks thanks a ton for coming on the show. Please come back. Um, we miss you so much. Yeah, well, definitely, uh, Lether and Jadik, I would love to have you back for next week when we discuss the map one. That That's actually probably the more pertinent one that I really wanted to talk about was the, the asymmetric map design and, and gameplay design. Um, and, and your insight is, is always appreciated. So if you could make it back, that would be greatly appreciated. All right, bait, you're up, man. Who? Bait, Iowa bait. Shout outs. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could. Uh, um, uh, do I have a shout out? No, no. <sighs> oh, I do. I do. Okay. Okay. So, I'd like to give a shout out to everybody who um, who told me that I should uh, that I should dress up like Bob Ross because I I hadn't had a Halloween costume uh, to sit at the end of my driveway and pass out candy to small children uh, and now I do so thank you. <laughs> okay, all right, Jadik, you're up, man. All right, I'd like to give a shout out to CCB Tara and the Perm Band. The uh, the E Vegas stream was a lot of fun, and then the Warp to the Dance Floor song was great. <laughs> And I'm also watching the Cubbies. I'm hoping they win. It's uh, bottom of the seventh right now. Two bases loaded for them, but I hope they pull it through. What's their record right now? Uh, this is like 108 years since they got a World Series yeah, win. World yep, Series win. 108 years. Damn. Are they? <laughs> and I live in Chicago, they're, so they're... I'm hearing the the full brunt of this every day, all day. Yeah, they're trailing one three to the uh, the Cleveland Indians right now. One so, three. Uh, how many games did they win though? Because best of seven. Okay. So they got they got to win them from now on in order to make it. <laughs> it's a nail biter. Oh jeez. All right, Letha, you're up. Shoutouts, man. I say uh, shoutouts for to Teresa May for not murdering me over the past year. 
It's gonna. <laughs> what did you do that they gave her reason to potentially murder you? Uh, so this is like a UK joke, but uh, Theresa May is, of course, the home was previously the Home Secretary, and she's uh, she has always been very uh, strict on immigration things. As a foreigner in the UK, I was just afraid, you know. What if Theresa May murders what if me? Theresa May murders me. <laughs> and now she's Comes the for Prime you in Minister. The night. Oh, that. Yeah. So you've been having fun with the whole Brexit up there. Is has that been an interesting oh, experience right. as an outsider? So I, I, I'm not. I'll say I'm not in the UK anymore. But I was actually there the day of the referendum. That was a. Uh, that was pretty disappointing. I stayed up all night, you know, watching it, like I will with the upcoming election here. Um, Oxford is was very much a Remain town, you know, for a lot of very clear reasons. Yeah, it was. It was the most. It was one of the weirdest experiences for the next two days because they had like a you know two years worth of political drama happen within five days, and and meanwhile just like everybody was pissed, like even the people who won were mod- moderately antsy, right? Like so for the for a couple days at least it was just sort of surreal. Like oh th- this was a terrible decision that that actually happened. You're living that right now. When we very well might see the same thing here with our election, so that'll be interesting. We, we very well, in, we, well instant, might. <laughs> instant buyer's remorse. Yeah, Iceland and just had their election. Did uh, did they actually? Did the pirate party actually take a a leading role there? I I, I heard that was the claim that they might. Ah, uh, they didn't take a lead, but they took a major. Um, it was like a like a big increase from their numbers from the last election. And I think that was a in a big part due to the Panama Papers. The fallout from that that uh, kind of shifted up the current administration there it's interesting that they're the ones who kind of have the most obvious result from those i think that uh, i think that if uh if some people win our, our current election there might be a lot of, of, of tickets purchased for <laughs> to move to iceland <laughs> iceland's expensive go. it's yeah, expensive it but it's, it's nice really there I don't know. Canada Canada is actually, you know, they're not the UK, which is after Brexit is is kind of a positive. But, you know, they they're not quite America either. So, we I don't have to know. Go make Canada great again, guys. <laughs> Let's do it. They're the the loft department over a crazy party. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. <laughs> they're yes. they're going to start building a wall. They're like, "Oh no. No, no, no. You stay on your end." <laughs> South Park is like <laughs> Keep these Americans out. We, 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 we have to keep our, those scary people uh, the south of us. We have to keep the scary people out, out of our country. That'd be a really significant departure from the current policy. I finally managed to uh, to walk to Canada uh, near Niagara Falls a couple weeks ago, and uh, they didn't even stamp my passport. I was infuriated. Wait, they you, just don't give like, a shit. You walked in. I mean, you know, they have an entranceway. There's a bridge. Uh, Getting uh, around my getting oh, into Canada is a lot easier than getting out of Canada. I mean, okay, that's cool, that's the, that's the thing. Anytime you go to Canada, they'll like you know, like yeah, sure. How many people you got in the car? Why are you here? Okay, have a nice day. And then it, you know, it's on the way back in that the U.S. Customs checks your passport, checks you know, it, it looks at you suspiciously. You know, I don't know. They gave a they gave a friend of mine the Canadian side of uh, of the entrance there. They, he was wearing not quite a suit, but uh, like some nicer clothes because that's just how he dresses. And the the guy asked him like, "Do you always wear a suit?" And it was just like, "No, I'm dealing drugs." Like, what is what is the proper answer to that question? Maybe he was just curious. Maybe it's like, "That's a nice suit. Where'd you get it?" I don't know. I mean, if he was, then he was doing the kind of DMV very dry joke type thing. 
any case. All right. So for for my shout out, it's got a little bit of a backstory, just so you all understand. So the the, the chatter on the dust forums was that oh yeah, they're going to show off Nova and, and E Vegas is going to be great. And then the, the the schedule came out and there was of course no mention of Nova. And I said guys, they don't they don't do that there. They don't announce big projects or thing at, at E Vegas. E Vegas is there to, to get together and party. I'm like you, you just like oh we're being optimistic. I'm like no no just just relax. It's not going to happen. It it might happen this year, but my money's probably on Fan Fest. And they're like no no it's going to be it's going to be Vegas. We know it. I'm like okay fine. So I'm playing games and I know that the Eve keynote's going on. I'm not really paying attention to it, but I am paying attention to the uh, Nova discussion Discord chat. And suddenly Darth Carbonite gets on there and says, "Wow, the beta is great!" Because like I'm so excited to play this. Finally, it's you know it, it it's much better than than I expected being this early in the process. And we're all like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's an awesome beta." And I said, "So for Nova?" He's like. No, no, of course not. It's it's for the new Witcher three card game, and so I'm like the, the whole oh. chat was, was 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 enraged. I'm like, you son of a bitch. So my vote goes out to Darth Carbonite, the bastard troll, who has been toying with my emotions because you know I was I was thinking like, am I was I wrong? Did they actually announced this 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 dumb thing at at, at E Vegas. Are you serious? And so he 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 got me to to, to trip up and and. Uh, and believe him for a second. So, shout out to Darth Carbonite for being an asshole. Um, that being should said, have known what, you I should wanna... have known what you were getting. Darth is <laughs> Darth is I, very. Uh, that's that is exactly how Darth is. It's just he, he, he also the... pulled that one on the uh, the mobile app that CCP announced that uh, he <laughs> you could zoom in on the image that they showed and it was running on uh, Nova. Then like the mobile network had the name Nova. <laughs> So that's what became of so Nova. Became Nova. Yeah. yeah, when the, the CPM starts troll tinfoiling, you know it's it's time just to kind of separate yourself from the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, nothing nothing at, at E Vegas about Nova other than yes, they're working on it, so stop stop freaking out. But uh, I want to thank everyone for, for showing up and uh, being on the show. Lether and Jenic, it's great to have you. Uh, you know, you're both always a great, a great addition to the discussion. So we, we'd love to have you back next week if you're interested to talk about uh, map design and asymmetrical gameplay. Uh, but that being said, uh, we are going to bring this one for a close. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, either via the stream. I, I've enjoyed chatting with the people over on the Twitch chat, uh, or when you pick this up on the recording, either on iTunes or on the website. So that being said, I wish everyone to have a good and safe night and have a happy Halloween. Fuck you, Darth Carbonite.